Okay, so I ended the last episode with uh, this idea of visualization and the importance of it, and just to, to quickly, quickly, just to quickly skim over it. A visualization is something that you see with your mind's eye. Now, even that is a a strange enough way to phrase it, given my own terminology, because a better description of it, again, using using my terminology, will be a soul's eye view. Because the mind, the, saying the mind's eye is problematic using my own terminology and my own way of thinking. Because I've always said that there's a difference, we're split in half basically between our mind or our egos or our conscious, which is thinking and articulate and all the rest of it. And then there's another side, which is a spiritual side or a soulful side or an emotive, emotional side, a feeling side which deals in in kind of pictures and narratives as opposed to words and sentences and all the rest of it. So it's a, instead of your mind's eye, I think using my terminology, it would be better to phrase it as a soul's eye, your soul's eye. So a visualization is something that you can think of visually. But if it's not in words, if you're picturing it, if you're imagining it, imagination again will be the realm of the soul, more so than the than the, the, the mind per se. But if you can create a, if, a visualization, if you can generate a scene with your eyes closed in your in your head, that to me is the realm of the soul. So visualizations generally are a soulful thing. And it's the difference between saying something like, I'm going to win the race on Friday versus I can fucking I can see myself winning this race. I can see it. I can see myself sticking me head sticking me head and neck out and just getting across that finish line and winning. And I can see myself on the podium and I can see the flowers being handed to me and getting my gold medal. You can visualize it. You're creating a future. And anything the fact that you you're creating this vision in your head. That creativeness, that spark, anything creative is generally a soulful experience and when you can conjure visualizations like this there's a there's a form of prophecy involved here there visualizations can be self self-fulfilling prophecies if you think about something enough if you wish for something enough if you want for something enough and you obviously put in the requisite amount of hard work and effort and all the rest of it you have a much higher percentage chance or a much higher likelihood of achieving your goal whatever that may be if you can visualize you having achieved said goal you can visualize you becoming that person and embodying the thing that you want to achieve essentially and for the most part the only domain that I can really think of that comes to mind at least whereby visualizations are so important and are so kind of front and center in the discourse is sport. And McGregor did this better than anybody. There's an absolutely fantastic video of Conor McGregor. when He's either 15 or 16. He's literally just a spotty teenager. He's an absolute nobody in the grand, in the grand scheme of things. And I can't even remember if he's sparring or if he's hitting the pads or what, but there's a there's a guy with a camera pointed at him and he turns around. It could it could have been the end of a fight, I'm not even sure. But he walks over, turns around, kind of grabs the camera or puts his face into the camera and goes, I'm going to be the champion of the world. I'm going to be the best ever. I'm going to lift titles and nobody's going to beat me. I'm the best ever. I'm the fucking future. Something as near as makes no difference as that. Because he believed it. And there's a, there's a, as I said, a propheticness to that because he, he made that a reality. 
he created a reality for himself in his head. And that to me is a, is a soulful thing to do. He visualized it. He could see himself holding up the UFC belt. He could see himself being the best in the world when he wasn't the best in his county in Ireland. And I don't know where he gets that from. I don't know if that was just always within him, if he always had that strident sense of self-belief. Or I don't know if that was embodied on him via his coach, John Kavanagh. Because John Kavanagh is another person who speaks in terms of, of visualizations. And I know that he says to his fighters when they're in their, their fight camp leading up to a, to, to a performance, essentially, leading up to competing at a high level. When they're sparring in their fight camp, he gets them to visualize the night of the fight from every step of the way, from, from when he's getting his hands wrapped before sparring, when he's putting on his gloves, when he's walking from the changing room to the octagon. John Kavanagh asks his fighters to imagine that this is, you know, the big Saturday night. This is the pay-per-view. This is the fucking under the lights, as they say. And I remember, he's, he's, I can't remember when I'm quoting this from, but I thought this was fucking brilliant. One of his fighters hopped into the octagon and Kavanagh reckoned that he wasn't doing the whole visualisation thing. And he shouted over to one of his fighters who was after entering the octagon and sparring, having been told to visualise this and pretend essentially that it's the, it's the night the fight is on and this is the biggest night of your life and all the rest of it. And he asked the fighter, are you doing your visualisations? And he said, I am coach, yeah, yeah, I am. And then Kavanaugh asked him, where's the big screen? And his fighter said, what do you mean? And Kavanaugh says, the, the big giant screen. And the fighter didn't really know what he was talking about. And Kavanaugh insisted, like, where's the big screen? And the fighter said, well, what big screen? And Kavanaugh said, the big screen in the fucking stadium you're supposed to be in. That big screen is a big screen in every stadium that you'll ever fucking fight in. Every venue will have a big screen. Where the fuck is it? Because if you don't know where that big screen is, you haven't visualised the fight night. You're not doing what I'm fucking telling you to do. And the, I just that blew me away. I just fucking love that. That you will go to that, that finer detail. And I think that the logic of that methodology is, is somewhat obvious. If you can if you can create the atmosphere in your head of the night and do that multiple times, do it over and over and over again, then on fight night, you'll essentially be more than prepared. You'll be ready for it. You should have felt like you've already done this. You should feel, to a degree at least, that the outcome of the fight, you winning, is a foregone conclusion. Now, anything can happen on the night and all the rest of it, and you just, you can't, no amount of visualizations will guarantee your victory. But I personally would be of the opinion that the person who's visualized this the most often or the most effectively has an edge, if nothing else, has a competitive advantage. Because they've already experienced it, they've already lived it. They're, they're essentially just fulfilling a prophecy. No big deal. Now, everything I've said about visualisation up until this point has been very intentional. But we have an unintentional version of visualisation that we derogatory called daydreaming. Like, I was endlessly told in school, Francis, stop daydreaming! Because I'd be fucking miles away. But daydreaming to me is essentially just visualisations. And you, you, when somebody tells you to stop daydreaming, they're essentially telling you to stop being creative. Because you're in that spiritual, soulful, creative realm. You're fucking miles away. 
You could be on top of him. You, you're, you're physically sitting in the classroom, but you could be in an aeroplane. You could be on top of a mountain. You could be at the bottom of the ocean. Your mind or your soul or whatever way you want to word it, you're somewhere else. And it's important if you're that way inclined to embrace that. But I think it's, it's driven out of us. Schooling generally does everything that it can to drive any fucking sign of creativity clean out of us. And if for no other reason, because creativity is a very hard thing to, to test. It's a very hard thing to score, to mark, to quantify. And therefore it's, it's useless in a school setting. But our lives aren't a school setting. And I would argue at least that if you're an open person, if you're a creative person, if you're the type of person that has listened to a lot of me, you are by de- definition a creative or an open person. That realm of visualisation, that realm of daydreaming is so incredibly important. But for the most part these days, and increasingly so, it's left to the realm of professional sports stars. And I call bollocks on that. I think it should be an integral part of any creative or open person's life. Because if for no other reason, if you can't imagine it happening, then the likelihood of it happening is dick all. But like most things, it's a two it's a two sided coin. On one hand, yes, you should do all your visualizations and you should see what your soul's eye or your mind's eye or whatever way you want to phrase it, you doing that thing that you strive to do, whether it's talking in public or being the lead singer of a band or winning the fight or getting the promotion or having kids or getting married or whatever it is, it it doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you can you can visualize it. You can you can create it inside your head before it actually happens. You can you can prophesize it. You can you can hopefully make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can create the conditions for success in your own skull. But that's only one side of it. The other side of it is talking about it because it's no point being all soulful and all wishy-washy and all the rest of it without having articulated it. You need to know, like, it's no, there's no point or there's very little point in visualising you winning gold and you can see yourself in the podium and everyone's chanting your name and you've got the gold medal and you're fucking delighted with yourself. But you just don't know what the gold medal was for. If that's the case, then you're all lopsided. You're you're, you're too much soul and not enough mind, or you're too much spirit and not enough thought. And that's one of the great things, and this is just coming out of the wash, of me talking as I do. These episodes are me exercising, and in this sense I do mean running on a treadmill or a kettlebell exercise. This is me exercising or strengthening or practising my mind, my ego, my thoughts, whatever way you want to word it. And that's very important to me because the soulful side of it, that kind of comes naturally to me. The articulated side of it, not so much. And that's what requires practice. And I I personally, I can see myself on the stage. I can see myself, I can visualise myself talking to large groups of people. But I actually can't define my terms. I can't, I can't concretise it. I can't, figure out what it is that I'm up on the stage fucking talking about. Now, it could be everything and anything, all crammed together and twisted up and knotted like the past fucking seven seasons and this season. 
It's mad because on one hand, I'm diligently working very hard towards something, but that something is very unclear. Now, there's something I like about that. I like being on the edge and I like know, I like not knowing exactly where I'm going with something. But that's very limiting because on one sense, you could see how you could go around in circles a little bit. And I know I've done that with this season to some degree. I've, I've retraced my steps on previous episodes. I've gone over a lot of the same material I've done in pre- previous seasons. But I'd like to think that with every full revolution, my circle gets a little bit more precise, more pristine, clearer. And I'm spiralling upwards as opposed to downwards. But I fear that without a destination in mind... Without a, without a specific goal, I'm destined to, one degree or another, meander my way forward. And again, on one hand, that's good, but on another hand, it's not so good. And if, if, if this is the only, if, if what I'm talking about here now is the only thing worth remembering that comes out of the wash of all these episodes is, maybe I have to remind myself, what, what specifically are you working towards, Frano? That's what I have to ask myself. What is it specifically? Fucking nail it down. Concretize it. Because it's not until you actually know what it is that you can really make those visualizations work. It's not until you know where you're going that you can best lay a path in front of you. And I suppose what this has me thinking now is I'm very proud of the previous seven seasons, eight seasons, including this season. I'm very proud of that, but... I think I might have gotten to a point now whereby I need to figure out exactly what I want to achieve from all of this. Because it's grand on one hand saying, oh, it's just practice and you're making yourself more articulate and all the rest of it. You can't, you can't get too articulate. But without an end goal, without visualizing your destination, how are you ever expected to get to where you're going if you don't know specifically where you're en route to? And maybe that'll all just figure itself out. But to me, at least, that's leaving far too much to chance. I'm not in control enough. I'm not being decisive enough. And on that note, I'll chat you tomorrow.